say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Fucking hey. Oh, hold on, hold on one second. This installation has a substantial dollar value attached to it. They can bill me. Hey, look. This is an emotional moment for all of us, okay? I know that. But let's not make snap judgments, please. This is clearly clearly an important species we're dealing with, and I don't think that you or I or anybody has the right to arbitrarily exterminate them. Hold on. Yeah, watch us. Hey, maybe I've been keeping up on current events, but we just got our asses kicked, pal. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, is it weird that a, a James Cameron movie, the guy who made the, the biggest films of all time, one of the richest, if not the richest filmmakers on Earth, is, I think, who made me a communist as a young child? <laughs> <laughs> he turned you into a socialist. I love yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the God, there's he's such a contradiction on so many different levels, especially as <laughs> part of the career, which we're talking about today. We're doing uh, Terminator and Aliens two years apart. How? How did I this know, get right? to you? It's insane. Uh, what episode are you on, Chris? I don't even know. Do you know what we're on? We're yeah, in we're, we're in the 80s. So uh, let me do some quick math. Um, that would make it, uh, episode number five. Uh, episode number five of Film Trace, folks, the yes, podcast where we yes. trace the life of a film from conception to production all the way to release and reception. We have a special guest. Another member of Spoiler Peace Theater is here. Dave, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Dave Riedel. I'm from Spoiler Peace Theater. I uh, write for the Chicago Reader and I yap about movies and I'm generally pretty negative about them. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's, yeah, good yeah. disclaimer. <laughs> uh, uh, so we're future wars, right? Right. So what is the deal here with James Cameron doing two different films within two years of each other in the mid eighties, both extremely huge blockbusters, either one started a franchise, another one made sure that it continued. And, uh, he's seemingly obsessed as is like the general movie going audience about this concept of what happens when we eventually inevitably have to go to war against some kind of futuristic enemy. Um, what is your guys' history with, feel free to talk, you know, in general about the Terminator movies, yeah. but in, to be specific, uh, the first one, cause I, 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 I kind of have a weird backstory, but maybe we should let our guest go. Dave. Yeah, Dave sure. Tell us your history, your personal history with James Cameron's The Terminator. Okay, so the first time I saw The Terminator, I was it was on TV, and I don't know if it was it was like cable because I remember this the the scene where I entered was when Ginger gets shot in the back, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I was like, no, and so I must have been <laughs> I must have been like eleven or something like that. Uh, I don't yeah. remember. It was really freaky to me. Um, and then I saw it again. I saw Aliens a couple of years later, and then I was like, "Oh, I should watch the Terminator because I think that's mm. the same guy." And yeah. so then I watched it. I was, you know, twelve or thirteen or something like that. But um, I think I've seen the Terminator probably a dozen times. Um, nice. So you know, I have a, I have an appreciation for it. Although watching it this time, it was uh, is a little ragged. I I it's felt like jarring. this time, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, um, it's rag, yeah. yeah ragged totally good word and and for me anyways that 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 has always been part of the appeal mm-hmm. and yet yeah. you're i think you're right as we get older and we rewatch it and especially as you know technology in the movie making business uh advances further and further um you wa- go back and it's just it's kind of it's like kind of quaint like yeah just like a, yeah. Oh, just yeah. Like a, a little movie about a, a a robot that'll kill everything in its path yeah um small little film <laughs> right um, dan it's your history i don't think i actually saw this all the way through until i was in college really um, i definitely okay. saw terminator 2 mm-hmm. when i was mm-hmm. a kid because that came out what 91 i want to say yeah 91 yeah. so i was would have been nine years old and somehow i saw it my parents were i guess didn't care in the theater uh, no i saw it at like a friend's house probably like a mm-hmm. yeah. yeah uh and i was absolutely blown away 
Like it was like seared in my mind for like all of my childhood and teenage. I was like one of my favorite movies, but for some reason I never like checked out early term. I was like, I don't need to see it. Cause I know two's better. Uh, <laughs> and then I saw, I saw it in college. Yeah. Saw it in college, but then I didn't, I don't think I actually like really saw it until I was doing a, um, <laughs> a, a rhetoric paper on nuclear war language in the 1980s. And for some reason, like I thought Terminator, I mean, it is associated with that concept. And so I like rocked it really closely and I was just like, oh, this is, yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely one of my favorite movies. And even on rewatch, I just, I don't know. I love it more and more. It's mm. such a, a fascinating film to me on so many different levels. Yeah. I think that, uh, your guys's backgrounds are very normal. I kind of fucked up as a child uh -oh. and <laughs> I, my brother, you know, showed me way too much violent stuff and yeah. uh, especially violent movies featuring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And yeah. so for a very long time, like perhaps until I was like a teenager, like 13, I thought that the Terminator was Commando. And, <laughs> oh. awesome. and so awesome. I was, <laughs> oh yeah, very fun movie. Um, so I was very confused when I found out that like Terminator two was a sequel to the Terminator. Like I had thought like when I saw Terminator two, I was like, where, like, where's the, you know, fun, you know, actual war with terrorists in the jungle. Like, why are we in America right now? <laughs> um, it was, it was very jarring. Um, and then of course, you know, I got my shit straightened out and um, rewatched the Terminator and then you know kept going through and then of course i think we were we in college dan when terminator 3 came out uh that um, sounds about right um yeah. i know it sounds like because it's it's so forgettable and yet oh, uh i was like i was so hyped for that movie and i continued to just like be the dummy that never learns because i was so hyped for that disappointed so hyped for salvation disappointed and then uh genesis i don't know and there's probably another one in there that I'm forgetting. Yeah. Um, Dark Fate. Dark yeah. Fate. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Like the most recent one? Dark Fate? Which yes, one? Right? Yeah. Or is so. Genesis? That's, I don't know. Dark Fate's the one that's the direct sequel to T2. Yes. That, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I it's it's one of those things where it's like, um, how is it that these movies, these two films from the beginning of the franchise when Cameron was still doing his thing, yeah. uh, how, how did we lose the plot so much? I think we could probably say that something similar for the alien franchise. Um, yeah. but it does seem like in particular, like nobody disagrees about specifically like the action and the kind of formative experiences that anyone had, especially us like elder millennials, with the first two Terminator movies. So I'm, I'm curious your guys thoughts on that, but I also know that we need to do the thing where we're like, where the hell did this movie come from and trace its origins. So, uh, I'll pass it off to whoever wants to pick up either of those threads and we can circle back to the other. Oh, oh man. I just want to, <laughs> the only thing I want to say, like the, the origin is I, every time we do a show, I'm like blown away by how much Roger Corman has formed <laughs> he's American cinema. Like yes. he's, it is mind blowing to me. Isn't he still alive? He's still, I think yeah, he's hundred years old or something. I, I like, yeah, there's Ron Howard and stories like that, but like, I feel like half the people that we cover, Corman gave them a break somehow. Mm -hmm. Is Corman and, like, and Dino De Laurentiis is where yeah, is the yeah, nexus? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you know, I think the fact that you know Cameron. His early life is really weird too, or fascinating because it's like he's somebody who clearly was obsessed with filmmaking from a young age and did not really have a well trodden path to follow in his life. It seems like to get there, it's like there's all these stories about him being a truck driver, a janitor, you know, going into like colleges to look up papers on technical or special effects and stuff. Like he was somebody who was driven by a really, really deep passion. And, you know, he got his breakthrough Corman, like a lot of people did. And then that gets infamous. I don't know the huge background story in Piranhas 2, but I know that he was fired pretty much immediately after like yeah, getting yeah, hired yeah. to direct it. Um, but he's, I, I find 
James Cameron, especially his path to Terminator, really interesting in Aliens. Um, what blows my mind about that is, and kind of like makes me sad on some level, is looking at these early films, he's such a passion-based filmmaker, the type mm-hmm. of guy who wants to know how all the technical effects work, uh, obsessed with writing well, he's an English major, um, you know, tried to study physics as well. Like he's like one of those Renaissance dudes who's in everything for like the end goal of making a great film, which I'm always like, you know, like I think that's super admirable and I look up to people like that. Um, but then to see his later career and like the Avatar stuff, it's just like so there's something in this earlier work, specifically Terminator, that is completely missing from his older work. And I don't know what it is exactly, but I don't know. I mean, that's kind of my like first take on it. There's something mm-hmm. there that was going on when he was younger that led him to Terminator that, you know, there was a hunger and a rawness yeah. in what yeah. he was doing that's like totally gone. I don't know, Dave, what do you think? Is that, is that, I, does that ring true to you or... Oh, it rings totally true to me. I think that um, the, the greatest and worst thing that ever happened to him was Titanic being really, really successful. Because yeah. Yeah. even though that was, what, $250 million budget and six months mm-hmm. overdue and shooting and then six months in et- overdue in editing. And yeah. I remember the ads being pulled, you know, that said July of whatever year it was. And then like <laughs> yeah, Christmas. Yeah. It's like, what? Um, and, I, I, and I was around the film biz enough to know like, well, that's bad news. But then yes. it was enormous, right? But he, when he made it, I feel like he had the passion of like a of a no budget filmmaker. Like I gotta fucking yeah. make this thing, and I gotta yeah. do it the best that I can. And this is my only shot. And um, and he had just come off what True Lies was that what he made before Titanic? Um, I think that sounds about right. I think that's yeah. right. So, yeah. so he'd had just like a million hits in a row, but he kind of treated all of those as like this is this is do or die for me. And um, I think after Titanic, it was so fucking huge. And, you know, he lost his personal fortune when he was making it because he had to put his own money into it. But then he got it all back because, you know, of all the kickbacks or whatever you call it, residuals. I don't know. The technical money shit. Um, And I think (laughs) after that, he just wanted to, like, explore the ocean. And I think that (laughs) Avatar is almost like an afterthought. It's like, hey, these blue creatures that live on the water, I can, (laughs) you know, create a camera that, like... We can have Zoe Saldana wear dots on her face, but she'll look real in the movie. And it's that's more of like it's stuff in the ether that, you know, mm-hmm. like who gives mm-hmm. a shit? You know, I yeah. like the whole thing with Avatar. It's like I saw the first one and I remember thinking, wow, I actually feel like I'm on a different planet. Yeah. Because at one point I was swatting away the insects in front of me and I was like, oh no, this <laughs> totally. is 3D. And, yeah. um, but the new one, I couldn't give a shit. Like, I, there's yeah. no, <laughs> I, if I ever see it, it'll be a mistake. And so yeah. it's um, very long and very boring. Oh, yeah. 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 And I, I had a good nap. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like nap. with like the Terminator, it's like, it's an hour and 48 minutes. Oh, it's yeah, got some slower spots yeah. because he's like, you know, trying, he's hasn't quite figured out pacing yet. But, um, when it works, it really fucking works. And the thing yeah. that the Terminator does really well is it's eerie. It's an eerie it fucking is. movie. Yeah, it's got some. It's got some vibe to it, and it's like, it, it, I don't know. There's something. It, it's like it's the rawness and the punk attitude that just it's yes. still there. It, when you watch, it's like it, it's so clear that this is kind of DIY in a lot of ways. And like, look, it was a six million dollar film. So it wasn't like, you know, super low budget and like that. But for $6 million, what they did back then was just outrageous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was looking at like budgets for other movies that came out in 84. Gremlins cost $11 million. Karate Kid cost $8. Uh, Amadeus cost 18 Wow. Uh, and so this is like below all the, like this is below Gremlins like Karate Kid. $11 million? <laughs> Yeah, it looks uh, like cost three dollars. I I've never <laughs> I've never understood the appeal of Gremlins. So I mean, maybe that's that's oh, on that's me. I know a lot of people love it, but <laughs> I love Gremlins. Like, yeah, I, do. I do like uh, the Gremlin in the microwave. I'll give you that. But otherwise, yeah, you know, that's a great scene. But yeah, I mean, uh, the whole the whole thing is just oh man, it's so punk, right? Yeah. And I mean, to the point where one of the things that I don't think I had watched. The Terminator, the first one since like Tech Noir became its own term, uh, in you Wait, know the pop culture. 
Oh yeah, totally. Like a, I had no t- idea it was its own. <laughs> uh, yeah, ta- like uh, we're, well, we're going to cover it when we do Alphaville. Like that's oh true. Yeah. Often referred to as like a tech noir, like Johnny mm. Mnemonic. That whole like string of nineties. What's the difference between tech noir and cyberpunk? Well, I think that like it, it's gradations. Yes, they're okay. very much interlinked. But like this, it's it's just it's amazing to me that like you know Cameron just does this like kind of throwaway like yeah tech noir like combining that for the name of this nightclub in his uh, uh movie and now it's like it, yeah it's 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 part of a lexicon where it, there you could easily like look at and trace back this vibe that you mentioned where it's kind of like yeah punk so there's the cyberpunk connection but also like the, this like as Dave was saying, like that eeriness, like that kind of like quietly mysterious existential despair that mm-hmm. um, feels very kind of like uh, prevalent in a really like visceral way. And obviously then you use the term to even go back further to like not only Alphaville, but other movies like Blade Runner. And yeah. it's weird how like it seems like the Terminator doesn't it it often gets just like pigeonholed as like this action film kind of like T2. Mm, And I, and I think that's kind of why I come back and I still prefer the original Terminator. Um, even though as a kid, I, I was like you, Dan, I totally was all about T2. Um, but T2 is like this very like brightly lit, like movie and it's like big and there's something about like that granular quality of the first one where like you were saying dave it has this kind of do or die aesthetic to it it doesn't feel like it's polished or carefully put to put together by you know a studio with millions of dollars uh, that they can just throw around really nilly and it also doesn't have like a semi-annoying teenage boy in their head either <laughs> yeah yeah he well, hasn't yeah, worked for long i know uh, it's sad stories. Well, here, here's a question though mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're talking about i think we all agree it has this vibe to it or um yeah there's this, this the eeriness as you put it dave where does that come from is oh, that i, I can peg you, it. what do you think Every yeah. it comes back now. It's kind of a cheat because um, I didn't necessarily think of it as eerie until when they get to the stop motion Terminator at the end. <laughs> it becomes yeah. a horror movie to me, and it's yeah. just like it's just <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat, and I'm just like I don't know what it is. The this you know the really cool titanium silver or whatever it is Terminator looks great, yeah. um, but when they you know, cut to the stop motion stuff. <laughs> it's just stop motion is just so inherently weird that yeah. it just becomes scarier. And I think those scenes in particular, you can see the um, the front projection and you can mm-hmm. see just kind of the seams in the movie. And it just yeah. feels like, ugh. It, there's something just like nasty about it that makes my skin crawl in a good way. <laughs> well, that, that, that image is the origin that, I came across when yes. researching, yeah. right? It's James Cameron said in a BFI interview in 2021 that uh, the first visual he had in his head was from a dream that he had while he was sick with a fever in a cheap hotel in Rome in 81. And that image was a chrome skeleton emerging from a fire. And as mm. soon as he woke up, he began sketching it. And so it's kind of like, I mean, there's lots of, I feel stories like you can even connect that back to like the design of alien and HR Geiger's design of uh, this kind of iconic image. It comes from, you know, somewhere between a, a dream and a nightmare a dream because like you said dave it looks good like it's aesthetically pleasing but it's also incredibly horrific and strange mm. and uh one of a kind and so like by being able to thread that needle that's i think we're not just classic movies of this kind of genre emerge but also in perhaps both of these cases these kind of interminable franchises pun intended <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, too, that you look at the, the the juxtaposition of Terminator versus T2, where Terminator, it does have that sort of horror vibe to it at certain mm-hmm. parts, and it feels darker and more sort of um, murky than T2, and T2's you know, clear action. Same thing with Aliens and Alien, right? Yeah. 
Like yeah, Alien totally. isn't is a horror film. And right. it's unbelievable horror film. Probably my top five films. Um, and Aliens is an unbelievable action movie. Uh, it's weird how they have both have that same sort of pattern to them. I think one thing in Terminator that stood out to me, and this is probably because I kind of came to it from like like I had to write a paper on it, so okay. it was like kind of different. But like um, the thing that blew me away about Terminator, like there's all the technical aspects that are, are cool. There's all like the pure '80s like LA vibes going on, which is so cool. To me, it's like it's like kind of lame as the story is. <laughs> the story just like blows me away every time I see it. And I'm just like, how do you come up with something like this? Like the way that it twists and turns and like the thought process of him going back in time to be with a woman that he loves from the past. And then they end up, you know, having sex and the whole thing and like giving birth to the, the revolutionary that leads the whole thing's nuts. Like it's totally nuts and crazy and belongs in like a dime store sci-fi novel. But for some reason it feels so elevated in this movie. I don't know why. Did you guys have like the, the whole nuclear apocalypse and the rise of AI and all these themes that are going on. Do you guys get a lot out of that? Or is that something that's kind of just on the side? Oh, Oh, Chris, why don't you go first? (laughs) Okay, sure. Um, you know the thing that I actually uh, sidebar, but I'll, I'll bring us back there. One of the the aspects of the film that stood out to me this time uh, rewatching was actually the comedic beats, yeah. and one of the comedic beats that felt particularly interesting, knowing how inflated James Cameron ego has become and maybe has always been is when the uh, uh, forensic psychologist is reviewing the tape of uh, Michael Bien, uh recounting like, you know, how he came from the future and blah, blah, blah. He tells that whole story and the forensic psychologist is like, this is brilliant. So it's like yeah. basically James Cameron inserting a character to say that he's brilliant. Right? And, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> and, but it's, it's it, you know, yeah. And it's like just subtle enough that um, it, it comes across as like genuinely like there are those people that have like these huge egos that just are obnoxious and you, you never want to deal with them, much less like, you know, hear them uh, pontificate for hours on end, but because James Cameron knows how to do it with such entertainment value. And also like, I don't know, there was, it was also almost like memefied. I also do not care for the avatar movies, but like with, when the whole, uh, ocean gate thing happened and, uh, uh, you know, people, James Cameron like was just like happy to go on the interview circuit and be like, yeah, here's what they did wrong. This, 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 like, like that's obscenely narcissistic to just go up there and do that. But for some reason he gets away with it because I mean, the guy is, you know, as misguided perhaps as the latter half of his career has been, um, he is smart as hell and he is just like kind of a soothsayer when it comes to this stuff. And yeah, maybe he's too obsessed with like making things wet all the time, but it doesn't mean (laughs) that like, it doesn't detract from the fact that like he's responsible for so much of what makes action movies amazing. And I will just add in a quick um, kind of uh, uh, qualifier to that, that like, obviously this isn't just Cameron, like Stan Winston going back yeah, to the Chrome Terminator and the Harryhausen style stop motion. That's, I think a huge piece is that he's able to like collaborate with these kinds of geniuses. And I do think Linda, Linda Hamilton's phenomenal in the role and sells that kind yeah. of emotional story. And so does Michael Bien. Like, I don't know yeah. what happened to that guy, but he's, he's great in both of these movies. And it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, he gets killed off, uh, in the prologue of alien three. And then also, you know, uh, it has to, has to do the, the hero's demise in this movie, which precludes him from coming back in the, in the, in the sequels. Yeah. The, what yeah. the, the, like, what, do we think there's any deep message in here that that Cameron's saying that that he's right about? I mean, we have ChatGPT. I was just on ChatGPT oh, taking so, notes on this. So it's so don't, weird. Uh, like, uh, you don't have to admit that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
does he have any messages? I mean, basically that human beings are like bad. I think that's his, his message. <laughs> you know, I don't really think it's yeah. much. I don't know that James Cameron is the deepest guy, but he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it is funny that you said that he's a soothsayer because he does. He did get a lot of stuff right about well about filmmaking technology anyway. Um, sure. And of course, he did invent. You know. I mean, didn't, didn't he kind of design that submarine that he went down right. and explored yeah. the Titanic with? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and Kyle Reese is very wet a lot of with sweat <laughs> exactly. in the Terminator. So, so, so there's that too. Um, yeah. I don't know if I really care so much about the, you know, yeah. I'm coming from the future to, you know, save Sarah Connor so that I can implant a baby in her who will then save humanity in my time. <laughs> like when I say it out loud and, and hearing you guys chuckle, it is just like that is cockamamie. But you yeah. know, it it serves as the basis for like a a lean, nasty, you know, horror slash action movie. I was I was watching it was it today or yesterday? I watched it in the last twenty four hours. And mm. um I was just kind of amazed at the um the the police station scene when Arnold drives through the, you know, the the iconic line. Yeah. Then he drives through the thing, and he just starts blowing everybody away. I was like, I couldn't believe how tense that was. Right, yeah. and it should be just corny as shit, but um, because it's just this thing that can't be stopped shooting people. But for some reason, I think it's um, you know, Winfield and Lance Henriksen, and then you know, you've just had Reese being all like, I, I gotta find Sarah, screaming at the psychologist, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I've always thought that Michael Bean's performance is really overwrought in this, but then I was reconsidering thinking, well, if he came from a future where, you know, you breathe the wrong way, you could get like sniped oh, yeah. by a machine. I guess yeah. it kind of makes sense that you would be on edge all the time. <laughs> so. yeah. And it's interesting watching him in this film right next to aliens, because mm -hmm. while he plays a similar kind of, you know, protective uh, army guy, he, in that film in aliens it has to be the like more restrained half yeah. to B ripley's like overwroughtness and mm -hmm. i think i mean maybe to 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 kind of throw a bomb into it all i i wonder if whether it's the performances or the effects or um i don't know cameron's kind of sensibilities aesthetically do you th do you guys feel like this is a movie that could have easily just been a one and done and been like a lost gem of the eighties. Like I'm very curious why, why did this movie not necessarily like uh, become like a massive monster hit, but enough to like kind of stagger out these sequels. Uh, yeah. So for so long, like what keeps it, it's because it, it can't. It can't just be Arnold. It can't just be right. You know the 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 kernel of the story, because you're right. It, like both of them are ridiculous. I don't know. It seems like there's so many things playing against this movie. Not to even like bring up the fact that I still want to know what happened to Pugsley the iguana. But <laughs> oh right, right. <laughs> yeah, he jumps, he jumps off the. the yeah, he jumps off the refrigerator while she's making that, you know, post-sex sandwich. And then, yeah, that's... Right. Um, I think that, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot in this movie about how it was marketed, how it was released. They did not believe in this movie. Right. Like, they just, you know, I think, I think there's some quote, uh, one of the executives is like, you made exactly what I was afraid you'd make, an exploitation picture in the Corman style. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I never picked up on that until very recently. That yeah. when you watch this movie, it is has a style of the exploitation, like it's the the ultra violence, the all the 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 dark sort of shadowy shots constantly. The whole thing is shot at night, essentially. Um, but yeah, it just was not. They didn't market it a lot. They just the, I don't think the test screenings were going very well. Um, you know, Cameron even says, you know, the executive in charge was, was not a friend and he didn't like the movie. He didn't understand the movie and, um, you know, it, it, it did well, but it didn't like, um, it didn't yeah. have an, a huge splashy launch. It kind of did well in spite of a lack of marketing and support from the studio, which is credit to the film and what the message it had or the, the style that it had just sort of popped off with, with people when they actually saw it. Yeah, I mean, this is back in a time when, you know, 
I mean, think about 1984 and what you had and what you didn't have. I mean, I remember being a kid, not in 1984, a little bit later, but like yeah. not like looking at the paper and, you know, seeing what movies were playing on a rainy Saturday afternoon. And you would go to the one that you, I, my friends and I would go to the ones we hadn't heard of because you're like, maybe there'll be naked chicks in it, you know? So, <laughs> so maybe, I mean, if it had been, I was too young to see the Terminator in theaters, um, but had it been out when I was, you know, 13 or 14 or whatever, I might've been like, there's a movie called The Terminator. That sounds crazy. And I bet the combination of Schwarzenegger was just getting big because of Conan the Barbarian and, you know, Pumping Iron had been like the late seventies. And so he was kind of a known quantity. His, his stature is rising. Um, James Cameron at least had some heat in uh, the, um, the film world, not necessarily as a filmmaker per se, but, you know, he'd gotten the job for writing Rambo. He'd um, kind of come through miraculously unscathed from Piranha. And so yeah. he wrote this like nasty little script. And um, because he had Schwarzenegger and because he had, I think, that that drive and because it only cost six million bucks, that combined with Arnold, I think, is is what pushed it forward. I think there were probably enough people who like, there's this weird Austrian guy who I saw in Conan the Barbarian and he's like, <laughs> playing some weird killer let's just go see it who gives a shit i yeah, I, yeah. I guarantee half yeah. of the conversations were that conversation so i'm yeah. i'm going back and using my magic eight ball of course but uh, <laughs> yeah. the one thing that struck me too when the like watching it i just watched it uh yesterday again um is how well this kicks off a franchise this mm-hmm. movie it is just like the perfect start origin story because it's not that long. Like we said, it's pretty tight at like under 150 uh, or an hour, hour and 50 minutes. And it just, and the ending's perfect for a sequel. I mean, absolutely totally. perfect. And um, yeah, I just like that is when you, when you look back at it, like that is a lot of scene into the future for James Cameron. Like the, the ability to take a $6 million budget, only really knowing filmmaking from like doing it with like Roger Corman, which is like total guerrilla filmmaking through and through, but having a good enough script and like concept of like the few, do you think he made this thinking there's going to be a sequel? He must've right. Because it's just like, you don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's so perfect. There, there's this, uh, like on Reddit of star log, uh, interview old, mid eighties, uh, like sci-fi magazine, um, feature on Cameron. Uh, and you know, he, he, he does a lot of the talk about, you know, the importance of, um, entertainment. He, 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 I mean, I don't know what Scorsese would think, but he, he, he likens what he was trying to do with the Terminator as like uh, what a team of engineers do when they get together and design a ride at Disney world. And I think, like that part he's kind of unabashedly about i just i don't know how how franchise oriented hollywood in general was during this time obviously a lot of franchises began in the early to mid 80s like indiana jones and uh what have you but like it does seem like there was more of a attention to detail when it came to like i want like you were kind of saying at the top of the show, Dave, like he wanted this to be his legacy. He's always in those early films trying to make, trying to one up himself and trying to make it like, this is going to be something huge, mm-hmm. but not necessarily, I don't know what it, and maybe that's part of the deal with like, especially the post T2 sequels. I mean, why did, why didn't Cameron come back to them? What made him like want to hop over to true lies and then Titanic other than like, he's just thinking about spectacle at at different levels in different genres. Hmm. Well, I, I heard a story recently and I don't know whether it's apocryphal or not, but Hmm. that, um, after T2, when Carolco or Carolco, is that what it was called? I know that's how it's Hmm. spelled. I don't know how to pronounce it. So after it went belly up, Schwarzenegger came to uh, J- James Cameron and said, you know what? They're going to lose all the rights to their movies because they're going to have to sell them off to pay all of their creditors. We should buy the rights to the Terminator and then you and I can own it and we can do whatever we want with it. 
And James Cameron was like relaying that story to some some uh, producers who he was showing Titanic to, and they went out and bought it from underneath him. So um, that is how we got all of the sequels that don't involve him because he he was kind of irritated about it, I guess, but not at the same time, not, you know, heartbroken because I've heard him say things like, well, I'm not really, you know, I'm not, I'm not a studio guy. I make movies. I don't, you know, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he knows it's a game and is, yeah. yeah. And so, um, I'm sure he regrets it now because of all the money they did generate. But um, I kind of feel like once that was out of his hands and once other people owned it, who would, uh, if it's true, kind of stolen it out from underneath him, yeah. like they probably didn't even want to involve him because, you know, why yeah. would you, if if that's true, it's like, hey, come make a movie for us that we totally um, bought the rights to. It's kind of like a Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney thing, right? It's like their yeah. friendship <laughs> ended when Michael Jackson bought the Beatles catalog, or at least Paul McCartney's half. So, you know, <clears throat> I yeah, kind of, I, I think of it that way. Um, I think, I think there's just a part of where he, he's just a guy that gets bored really easily. And he <laughs> yeah, just, he does not, he, he climbed this mountain and like T2 is another mountain to climb and, you know, aliens was its own thing. And then he's just like, I'm done with this. I got to do something different. He just seems like one of those guys who's never satisfied. Yeah. Until he came across, you know, Smurfs in the rainforest, and I'm sorry, <laughs> in the rain. Yeah. That was actually the working title. So. <laughs> <laughs> and now he was satisfied for life. Like this, this fills him up more than anything. The Avatar world, uh, or something. I don't know. He was obviously way more hungry when he was younger. But yeah, to me, it's just something he gets bored. Um, how about this leap though, from Terminator in 1984 to Aliens in 1986? Can we think of a better one-two combo from any filmmaker? Like My maybe just in the action sci-fi. Like there's nothing. Like yeah, it's from just, an action director. I can't. Not off the top. Just, of yeah. I mean, it. Two of I think the most iconic, not just action movies in the in the just '80s movies. Like they're just giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he was able to do both back to back is just mind blowing. I mean, what's everybody's uh, relationship with aliens? I think I saw aliens before I saw alien. And oh, really? me too. Yeah, oh yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. Alien okay. was like, wasn't alien late seventies? Like seven, I want to say right, like 79. 79 yeah. yeah. And so, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just kind of missed it, I think. And you know, I was a kid in the eighties, so I saw aliens, um, you know, going back, I have the same relationship. Like I came to the, the franchise through the sequel, which I absolutely loved as a kid, but I like the originals more. I like alien more than I like aliens, but I love mm-hmm. aliens. So it's like, I don't know. What about you guys? Um, yeah. I, oh, sorry. You go ahead. Okay. I mean, just real, I mean, it's real quick. It's just that like, I, I totally, it's weird because like I was totally the kid that was just absolutely trying to find like the action film to end all action films. And this was definitely up there, if not near or at the top. And then, you know, my, like you said, Dan, my interest kind of went back to the original alien and I was obsessed with, you know, all the um, uh, symbology and subtext of that film and uh, it's status and kind of template as a horror slasher film um, in that genre but i so there was a part of me that was like a little bit reticent because it had been a while since i'd seen aliens um because i'm like i don't know i'm just like not a a huge action guy but then like as soon as you know the the first set piece starts up with everybody you know waking up from the cryogenic sleep and starting to put their battle gear on it's just like unlike we talked about this briefly when we mentioned starship troopers where it's just like i don't know that 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 movie played a lot better for me when i was a teen but like aliens just like there's something about the energy and i think a lot of it once again has to do with the cast yeah um this is an incredible ensemble for not just an action movie but a war movie like this platoon that has this very kind of um entertaining dynamic like the way they bounce off each other is just as uh uh, kind of action-packed metaphorically as the actual set pieces are and so like there's something that just like 
brings it all back very easily. Like it's, it feels very comfortable, but not in a way where it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm bored of it. I, I still get thrilled and excited, even though I know every single beat from watching it so much when I was younger. Yeah. Dave, what about I, you? What's your relationship with it? With aliens? Oh, I yeah. just, aliens is one of my favorite movies. And I, I think of pretty much every movie in the aliens, let's just call it a franchise aliens franchise yeah. as a different, like they're not even related really, except they feature the Xenomorph and sometimes yeah, Ripley, yeah, yeah. you know? That's, that's like, a good stance to have, I think. <laughs> yeah, because it's like Alien is, you know, a horror movie set on a ship, and then Aliens is an action movie set on a weird planet, and then the rest of them are what they are. Um, and they're all so different from one another, I think partially because they had different filmmakers for most of them. Um, but also because it's so much time between all of them. Um, you know, it's by the, from, from release to release, it's seven years between alien and aliens, which is at the time interminable as far as sequels go. But, um, I think what works so well for aliens is just, I, I rewatched that this morning and, um, man, that movie holds up. It is truly a, a kind of a miracle. Um, even the humor, which is like, I think James Cameron's like weakest. I mean, if you watch the abyss, the humor in the abyss, is just oh, fucking, yeah. it's yeah. so cringe. Um, <laughs> but the humor for some reason, I think it's because Michael Bean is so good as Hicks. And then you've got Bill Paxton post mm-hmm. teeth work as, as Hudson, who's so great. Um, and, um, Drake and Apon, uh, I can't, I don't know the actors' names, uh, but anyway, Vasquez. And the, oh my gosh. Vasquez, yeah, Vasquez, right? Yeah. And then the secret ingredient to aliens, which of course is Paul Reiser. Um, oh mm-hmm. god, yeah, it's so I, every time I watch that, I'm blown away by how good he is and what a great character that is, yep. and how he's yeah. even when you know he's being a slime, you're like, you know, I kind of like this guy though, yeah, I don't know just why, a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I first saw Aliens. I didn't see it in the theater because um, there was no way that my parents would let me go see it. But I, um, when my brother, my brother's a huge, my older brother's a huge sci-fi guy. So he had seen it and he was like, you got to see this kid. And so <laughs> when it came out on video, we rented it and I was like, this is great. And I, every time I watch it, I think, you know, you, you watch this movie once a year. It's, it's going to be bad or boring or you're going to see the same show this year. Nope. Works every time and i always notice something new every time i never noticed until this time when i watched it i've heard people talk about how ripley and the and the queen the alien queen have like an unspoken agreement that um that ripley will leave with newt and the queen will let them go and I'm like, yeah, okay, I see that because I see her hit. I see the queen hiss at the two, you know, drones, and they back off. I'm like, but what are they talking about with the whole breaks the deal? And I'm like, oh, it's the egg opening up. Duh! <laughs> I just realized that today. So mm. if I've, you know, I've like I said, I've seen that once a year since 1987 or whatever. Um, yeah. And I just noticed that now. I mean, talk about a movie holding up. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know why, if I have why another does point. It hold up? Why does it hold up so well? Like, why does it still click? Well, I mean, it's even really... Michael Bean said that in the interview. He's like, this is like a perfect film. Well, right? it's just, it's so lean. I mean, it looks like yeah. it's huge and it's got a long runtime, but there is not a moment of wasted time in this movie. No. Every every yeah. scene, it's kind of like the classic thing that you hear about in screenwriting class. It's like, get into the scene as late as you can, get out as early as you can. And this movie, mm-hmm. it does that. It never gives you more information than you need at that moment. Um, and even if you watch the, the theatrical version as opposed to the special edition with, um, you know, you learn more about Ripley's daughter, et cetera, et cetera. You, I mean, it's great to have all that stuff, but you don't even really need it because you, you don't miss it not knowing it because there's still you still know that something's going on with Ripley's personal life that we're not seeing spelled out for us but otherwise what's her connection to why is her connection to newt so strong from the beginning and the other thing that's great about it is you believe sigourney weaver because she's sigourney weaver so you don't even question if you're not watching the special edition why does she care about newt so much so um 
it's just all those things, all these things that you maybe in a in a lesser movie you would think, wait, that doesn't quite make sense that they would, you know, why are Hicks and and Ripley kind of being cute with the whole this is a tracker and I can find you wherever you are thing when they've just seen like seventeen people eaten alive by aliens, like who get, you know whatever it's aliens, it's great, it all yeah, works, yeah. you know. The, I, okay, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little because I'm yeah. curious <laughs> what. I can't help but, and this is, it, you could very much argue this with the first film too, which makes it interesting and just makes the conversations uh, better, I think. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like one thing that stood out to me uh, very much so with this rewatch is that, that, that maternal relationship. And the one thing about the first film that made kind of Ripley's role as a final girl uh, so much more um uh more interesting than a lot of those kind of early final girls in horror movies is kind of her her lack of prescription to gender and then here like yes it makes it for a a really emotional story of her constantly being the protector the maternal figure to newt and yet i keep coming back to like as i was watching like but but why like there she has to ascribe her like kind of fierce passion onto something and it it for so long has been self-preservation um what's making her finally care about the other person is it is that like you could easily like and and obviously i feel like if it was made today we would have this horrible like backstory about the trauma of loss from the first film and all that and that would be bad but it just feels like is that is that piece missing is it unfair for kind of cameron to come in because it does seem like i mean he's cameron's got some weird like gender things on the one hand he he makes very strong female characters often at the center of his movies and yet at the same time like you know whether it's his personal life or um the way in which he kinds of controls and magnanimously uh, uh is you know, the end all be all director and his uh, even professional relationships going back with Gail Ann Hurd, who was very much an active producer in this there. It does feel like it feels a little bit like, Oh, she's a woman. So she's gotta, she's gotta be the mom. Yeah. Like even when the, they first see the kid, they're like, Ripley, get up here. Yeah, it's a a kid. You're the one supposed to take care of her. It's also, you know, it's the Reagan years. (laughs) Yeah, blame it on Reagan. Okay. I mean, seriously though, like I'm happy to blame a lot of things on Reagan. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pile it on. That makes it easy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But no, I mean, that's a it's a good point that like there is look at like Terminator and look at look at Terminator and Alien and like the rawness, the sort of there was something that was transgressive almost about both of those films. There's nothing yeah. transgressive about aliens, right? Like it's Ex- heroes and, <laughs> you know, traditional gender roles for the most part. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's definitely uh, a clear criticism of it. Um, does it take away? The, yeah, it does. there's a little bit of, um, that's probably like why I personally like alien more than I like aliens is that while aliens is like, basically a perfect perfect action film um i mean maybe like diehards in competition with it but that's about it um there is a little bit of that rawness that has been polished off or buffered off by cameron that leaves a little bit you know it's not you know i wouldn't put aliens in my top 50 films maybe top hundred but there's just something maybe a little bit element that's kind of missing for me personally uh and i think it is that sort of more traditional story narrative arc and all that kind of stuff it is but that also makes it tight you know it makes it like really potent um so yeah it's kind of like a trade-off i think on some level Mm -hmm. i don't know it's too bad about both these series you know because Mm -hmm. the terminator series my favorite one of my favorite story arcs you know, in the beginning of a story, origin story, whatever, 
just been decimated by the sequels. I mean, the only yeah. thing that I'll watch is Sarah Connor Chronicles, yes, which was yes. which canceled after a single season. Mm-hmm. And then what about Alien? What happened there? I mean, when's the last time you guys saw Alien Three? <laughs> oh man, I, I saw it not so long ago because I was like, "Is it as bad as I remember?" <laughs> yeah, is it as bad? It is. Oh, it's oh, absolutely. Wow. It might be worse than you remember. Uh, it was yeah. really bad when I saw it, and I love Fincher yeah. though. I mean, I also have not seen it in a while, but I was a defender of it for a hot minute. I remember um, you were. Yeah, yes, you were a defender of it. I yeah. was, and you know, it's funny because like Fincher makes so many questionable choices, uh, and yet you can't deny you know, like there's a lot of those you know makings of this really precise eye for um, camera work and and the fact that he's able to make like this really like gross, dingy prison planet, uh, a setting that looks as good as it does, that it feels as like real as it does um, is I think worth something. But yeah. but the way that it starts and the way that it ends and the way that the whole middle goes, it's like <laughs> you're saying there's the whole no thing. Then it. yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. the story that's the problem, and that's a yeah. very, pretty big problem, unfortunately. Yeah. Has yeah. there been a good Aliens movie since this one? <sighs> Are we no. gonna no. Do touch Prometheus and Covenant? <laughs> I think I've seen Covenant a lot, and I think, wow, is it bad? Prometheus is just spot. like a Oh, you do for Covenant. Soft. For Covenant, okay. For my soul, for Fastbender playing the whatever he's playing the recorder, the skin flute. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that movie's so. But here's the thing: the opening of that movie of Alien Covenant is. I thought it was fun, like interesting and good up until like you know Michael Fastbender's doppelganger shows up. <laughs> See, um, I think that's. I think I feel the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Wow. Is there um, any hope for any of these series? Any hope? No, I don't know. I mean, I I've seen Prometheus once, and I thought it was like it's not great. It's an interesting misfire. Yeah. Um, but Alien Covenant is god awful. <laughs> I mean, it is. I I didn't like it from the moment it began, but by the time they get to the scene where you see the same severed head floating in the water three times because three different characters have to discover it to be freaked out and be like something weird's going on. It's yeah. just like what are we doing here? Like we we're we've I mean, I know that the alien has you can lean into the boogeyman territory because, you know, why not? But at the same yeah. time, don't do that. You know, yeah. like you, you, the Ridley Scott's too smart to be like severed head equals bad. Well, no shit. I mean, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's find a different angle to convey this message. Uh, I, I think I think uh, there's there's an argument to be made that it's camp and that Ridley knew mm. what he was doing, making it a camp film. But uh, it's 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 a difficult argument to make. Also, <laughs> yeah, it's a very difficult argument to make. <laughs> and an unsuccessful one. No. Um, <laughs> all right. Any like any closing thoughts on these on these films before we kick over to trivia? I I the, the last thing that I wanted to kind of ask you guys your thoughts. Maybe this can serve as final thoughts. Is um, the 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 war aspect is. Yeah. Uh, kind of interesting because the the distinction that I found between the two films coming both from Cameron is that uh, he seems to have a very different view of warfare in both films. In the first one, he's like very much on the side of this like guerrilla revolutionary kind of like anti-establishment track. And in some ways he's that here, at least like thinking in the, larger sense of the alien franchise i think another thing besides the xenomorph and sometimes sigourney weaver that it has in common is this anti-corporate sentiment and you know the company uh wayland being this uh faceless evil entity that only cares about um warfare and bioweapons and that kind of thing so what is it about and then you got the whole bishop thing with aliens where it's like okay now you know, Cameron is pro AI instead of oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, anti, yeah. and that continues with Terminator 2 and how they do the swappy swap with Schwarzenegger. Um, 
is there is there a clear political angle in terms of like uh what side of a war if any is noble is righteous in cameron's eyes or is it just big bang go boom aliens i i i i don't want to reduce him to to nothing but i think he's a big bam go aliens kind of guy i think i think part of the reason that aliens is the way it is is because he didn't want to remake alien you know so that's why it's an action movie instead of a horror movie and that's why t2 is an action movie instead of a weird um sci-fi horror movie and um you know that's why he pivoted to comedy with um, what's the Schwarzenegger one? I, we already mentioned True Lies. True you know? Lies. Yeah. So I, I think that he's just got to do something different, and I don't know. I don't know what his political leanings are. Um, I mean, he's Canadian, so who can tell? But um, <laughs> I think that he's more interested in telling what he thinks is the best story, and if that means you know you're a gorilla in 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 the Terminator, great, and if that means you're I mean, you got to think about the war, though. I mean, the company is still the evil. The the in a way, the Marines in Aliens are kind of the, you know, the outsider faction because they're yeah. up against Burke, who is the corporation. So that's true. That's true. There's a little bit of similarity between those two things. Um, and real quick, I don't mean to steal things, but no, you had as somebody had said, "What's the one-two punch?" You know, like Terminator and Aliens. I thought of two, two other directors. Yeah. Go by it. the way, McTiernan. Yes, Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, Boom. and this one's a little bit you can you can question me on this one, but Andrew Davis Under Siege, The Fugitive. All right, Under yeah. Siege I think is a little light, but the it's a little light. Is, the Fugitive is such the Fugitive's a like movie. perfect. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So good. Maybe, I, maybe good Under Siege now. deserves a rewatch. The only oh, reason I really mentioned territory it, deserves a yeah, Eric <laughs> now, now you're talking. Yeah. No, the reason I mentioned Under Siege is just because of the Tommy Lee Jones angle. So, yes, that's true. Uh, that's true. And yeah, the bridge true. to the fugitive that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, do some no, trivia. Okay, trivia time. Uh, here's the rules, Dave. Essentially, okay. um, we're looking at other films from the same decade, so the 1980s, that fall into this thematic. Uh, descriptor we've come up with of future wars um so movies where either warfare or you know a small group going up against the large group some kind of revolution angle in the sci-fi genre um and i have uh five keywords i have five films and i will list the keywords or phrases and see which of you can name the film first and the best out of five wins got it so this is okay. all future war films in the 80s, right? Yep, 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 yep. Um, let's start with a pretty, yeah, let's start with a easy lob to, to, to warm up. The Wolverines. Radio Triangle. Yeah, oh yeah, my gosh, done. that was fast. Good job. Yeah, Good yeah. job, Dave. Um, all right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna get, I feel like I'm going to get blown out. <laughs> You're going to get pummeled. Oh, Dave's got too much film knowledge. <laughs> okay, but Dave, what was your major in college? What was that? What was it? What did you What did you study? In college, oh, I have a film degree. Okay, okay. So, See? but yeah. but but Dan, fellow English major, maybe yes. maybe this one will be. Uh, we'll see. Um, okay. Room One Hundred One. Ministry of Truth. Oh, nineteen eighty four. There we go. Nice work. Oh. Um, room 101 also, oh that's the final torture room yeah, yes okay. exactly yeah uh the john hurt uh, adaptation it's Which i don't uh, think it, i've ever seen <laughs> it's not very good but it's no. somehow gotten reappraised recently uh, they put it on criterion channel i don't know yeah. whatever i saw it a couple three years ago and was not not moved so right. i don't yeah. know anyways next uh here's one that should pro- oh no no it should not be reappraised okay let's see if you get it reprogramming Helicopter missiles. Operation Gotcha Last. S A I N T. Wow. No, Nova Robotics. Hmm. Tough. Nova, helicopter missiles. Well, it's not real genius. Um, <laughs> oh, I almost I used that one. I love that movie. <laughs> it's um, so good. So good. 
helicopter. I don't know. Yeah, give it up to another clue. Additional clue is that this is a comedy, Mm -hmm. like Real Genius, but this um, movie about robots uh, is arguably even more jingoistic than uh, Aliens. War games? Oh, very close. You're getting closer. Uh, I didn't hear what you said. uh, What Dan said? Yeah. He said he guessed War Games. War Games. Okay. Um, That's not Future War, so... Uh, I mean, you could argue from that time period, they would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's so what else, Okay. What else I'm just, I, I'm, I, we're going to just blow the lid off. Fisher Stevens yeah. and Brownface. Oh, the 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 robot movie. Um, <laughs> number five. What's it called? Oh, Short, Short Circuit. Circuit. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Short um, Circuit. No, it does not deserve a reappraisal. And actually, I tried to <laughs> watch it with my kid recently, and it's uh, it's offensive in many more ways than just the brown face. Oh, I'm sure. Oh my god. Yeah. Horrible. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't okay. know if I've ever actually seen that. Oh yeah, no, it's you're bad. you're not missing much. Yeah, Gutenberg has a good smile. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, I think, back to good movie territory. Bosozoku, cryogenic storage, orbital weapon, Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, very good guess. Nope. Singularity, and the cat's out of bag with this one. Neo Tokyo. Oh, oh. Runner? No. no. Neo Tokyo. I should know that, but Neo Tokyo. Probably the best anime film of all time. Ghost of the Machine? Oh. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, I did. Bo- Let me define Bosozoku for you. That is a uh, um, youth uh, motorcycle culture in Japan, especially in the 1980s. Jordan Peele stole the motorcycle shot from this film and recreated it in live action for the ending of Nope with Kiki Palmer. Oh, I mean, there is, um, there is an anime film called Neo Tokyo. Yes. But the, it's, it's not that it's the film that, uh, I believe, uh, kind of started that trend of, Oh. Neo Tokyo, post-apocalyptic. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, starts with an A. <laughs> Akira. Yeah, there you go. Akira. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I should have known that. Sorry. That's okay. No, <laughs> I've never seen it. I've only heard of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not an anime guy, but it is. It's, it's pretty good. It really is an incredible film. Okay. okay. Uh, th- let's. We're gonna end it right. Uh, and just to recap, I think we've got a, um, I, I mean, I, I who, who got short circuit? I think we're two, two. Let's go two, 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 two to two. Okay. Um, escape pod. Escape from New York. Oh, <laughs> I should have ended with escape pod. No, nope, you're good. Nice work, Dan. Oh my gosh. I'm proud of you. You beat the guest. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, Dave. He, That's okay. I mean, zealous mensch. I, yeah. I'm not, uh, I, oh, I hesitate to admit this now, but I think that Escape from New York is kind of a shitty movie. Whoa. So. Okay. Ooh. Well, Ooh. it's nice having you because you won't be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love I, John Carpenter, but I just, oh, I've dude, never gotten on board with Snake Plissken, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I also like Escape from LA. I'm going to say it. <laughs> that, that, okay, that's a, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what do you got coming it's, up on the uh, on the podcast, Dave? On um oh wow, Spoiler good question. question. Yeah, so <laughs> we just um the episode that um we just we just saw the Marvels, so we'll be talking about that. And oh, nice. um yeah, it's um Are superhero uh, movies over or well, I mean they probably <laughs> should be. Um <laughs> Because the Marvels, I don't know if either of you has seen it yet. It has, yet. it has I'll problems. It yeah. um, and and it's just, you know, I wouldn't say that it's bad, but it's not what you want it yeah. to be. Uh, we're also going to be talking. Yeah. <laughs> we're also going to be talking about um, poor things and yes. Maestro. And on our Patreon, we're going to be discussing Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which I have never seen. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Um, well, I have seen much like 
I'm very hit or miss on Carpenter. I love the Carpenter films I love, and I don't like the ones I don't like. I feel the same way about Edgar Wright, except oh, I hate yeah, all of 100%. his movies. Oh, I hate so, all of them. <laughs> well, except for the zombie movie. That one's all right. Oh, yeah. Um, the, what's that one called? Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Last Night in Soho is... I lost the thread with him. I was, I'm was. i no longer willing to give him a chance after Baby Driver. So Yeah. 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 That's fair. That's totally uh-huh. fair. Not a good movie. Um, what, do we got, what do we got coming up on Film Trace? We got Omega Man coming up. 70s. 70s. Yeah. Strange Love. Eventually, yes. And then uh, Day There Stood Still and Invasion oh. of Bonner Snatchers to close it out for the 50s. So we got oh, a few more episodes great. to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't we seen. Just, we just did uh, um, The Day There Stood Still, the 50s original. So that's those that I'll be looking forward to listening. Yeah, right. be, thank you, be good stuff. Dave, thanks for being on the show with us, man. Thank you for having me. And I'm sorry about Escape from New York. I feel like I kind of blew it at the end <laughs> no, there. No, we, no, we love that. It, we it, love right. it definitely shakes in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. This has been Film Trace. Mm-hmm.